In Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to briefly read another passage first, but we'll go to Isaiah 53. We'll be in a few different scriptures today. I will probably not be too long, but we come this time looking at Christmas, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different uh, views or opinions. I see the arguments come out every year whether Christians should even celebrate Christmas and, and all that kind of stuff. But but uh, it's uh, um, one is I don't see anything that matches anything in Scripture that says that it would otherwise be wrong. But, but importantly, that we need to focus on what it actually is. Nothing wrong with a holiday with family and traditions and, and those kinds of things. Those are all good things, but, but that's not what Christmas is. And uh, we, we focus, and sometimes one of the concerns, and I'm not getting into all the reasons people give or not give, whether they want to celebrate or not, that's not the point. I'm just saying there's things out there. And one of the things that concerns me about people that want to argue against it and try to make an argument that we shouldn't have anything to do with it is, is I feel that it's at least possible that with that argument that you could get to a place where you minimize what the focus is even in a doctrine or a page sticking together the uh, and what I mean by that is they're so busy trying to figure out what the origins and what they think Christmas came from and why we celebrate or don't celebrate and figure that. Forget the importance that Jesus coming as a, as a baby and being born, the way Jesus was born, um, doctrinally, spiritually, and for eternity is a big deal. And, and it's something that we need to take notice and consider and understand that uh, they, they take, I'm going to read, you should be in Isaiah 53, I'll go there in just a moment. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. I want to say two things, sometimes I've heard a lot of people go to this verse now, well, we preach Christ, well, that's good. But the verse says there are two things going on here. It says, under the Jews a stumbling block, in other words, the Jews didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah and, and considered what he said blasphemy. That's why they crucified him. The Jews, the Israelites, the people that knew who God was, they had the history all the way back to the promise of Abraham and going through Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and, and God taking care of them in the wilderness and all the miracles God did for Israel. The group of people that should have known who God is and understand God and all the things they did and the, and the ceremonial side and look at the sacrifice and all the sacrifices and things that pointed to Christ that they should have recognized Christ when he came. And there's the people that said that can't be the Christ and we're going to crucify him. That's why when Paul and the apostles and people later preached Christ that it's a stumbling block to the Jews. They had a hard time accepting that because they were looking for something different. And then it said under the Greeks foolishness. And some of the short history of the Greeks are the philosophers and the ones that had multiple gods. We, we still do things today in the world and we do, shouldn't as Christians, but I'm saying it's out there. 
They even teach about some schools and what all the Greek mythology is and all these fake gods and and and, and there's even gods that they make out to be superheroes or actually fake gods that come back to this Jewish era, this Greek era. I'm sorry, um, that that they talked about and thought and how things are formed and what happened and they sit around. That was a discussion when Paul came to the people on Mars Hill. And, and, and talked to him, and they even had a statue up for the unknown God in case they missed one. And, and, and Paul introduced them to God. So it's saying here, in other words, when it comes to things of Christ, that's why the world system today is so against Christ. You can talk about believing in God because God is some, to some degree in religion can be anything you want. Uh, the Muslims say they worship God. But obviously, if you, if you do any study at all and read what they come out of the Quran, is not God. That's not how God works. God's full of mercy and grace and love. And yeah, there's a judgment side of God. We'll see one day. But, but, but to that, they don't understand that kind of love or peace or grace or mercy. Um, that's not their God. Um, the, the Catholic Church has their own God. They made themselves the God. Uh, you've got, you got the, the religion, the, the politics side, the government tries to be God. And that's happened all through history, whether it's been a king, whether it's been the Roman system, how they looked at an emperor, aside from a Catholic system starting out of that, they looked at their emperor and things like that as God. Some Eastern religions look at their, their leaders almost godlike. Um, I, to say you believe in God doesn't bother people, because it's been throughout history, people say they believe in a God. And, and, and it doesn't, the, 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 the point of the Bible in dealing with Israel throughout history is God dealing with the Jewish people specifically, because they're his people, but to show the world that he is the God. And it comes out, now that you come into Christ and everything was pointing to Christ, and our salvation is Christ, and our access to God is Christ, and our eternity is based in Christ, and our forgiveness of sins is in Christ. Everything they did was pointing to Christ, except it became a stumbling block just because they wouldn't believe it. And, and they came, so that's it. We preach Christ. That's a big deal. But we have to understand exactly what it is about Christ we're preaching. Isaiah 53. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read here. We It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up uh, before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. For he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before 
her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from the prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his declare his generations, for he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore, why divide him a portion uh, with the great? And he shall cause, and and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We have a description here of Christ, and uh, been reborn. He's going to be buried. It says, but notice a couple of things here. It says, "Yet yeah, please the Lord to bruise him." What, sometimes we get confused. God is not about misery. That is not the point being made here. This is specific about Christ to come and be a sacrifice so that we could have a relationship with God. That's what pleased him. Um, we see the other accounts in Psalm 22 and in the Gospels of Jesus was on the cross where God had to turn his back on Christ because of the sin. Um, it's, it's not it, Watching Jesus go to the cross is not the part that pleased God. It, it, it was, it was the, I, the, the end goal and the purpose and, and the, the belonging. So in Hebrews, I'm studying through Hebrews again. I don't know that I'm going to present it here. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about using it when I preach in Wisconsin. But, but the, uh, the going, just studying, going through it again, it's a great description throughout the entire Bible of Christ that Hebrews holds back into that perspective. We need to see a couple things about who Christ is uh, before we go on, and then we'll come back to what it, what it means, and uh, we'll be in Luke 2 in, in a little bit. But if we'll go, I know it's a familiar passage, but I just want a couple points in John chapter 1. As we see, when we talk about Christ coming, we need to understand who Christ is. Um, John 1, then 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, a name for Christ, is capitalized. And there's three or four other places throughout the Bible that that is also capitalized. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. That's referring to Christ in creation. Imagine when Jesus was an adult, walking and working men and doing miracles and teaching the disciples and, and, and going around and you have literally the creator of the universe walking among us. And we have that proof in verse 14 where it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, so when Jesus came to earth, he was born physically as a baby, helpless, 
um, through the through the miracle of the virgin birth with Mary and left Mary and Joseph to care for him in that flesh then, but he was he was the creator of the universe. Um, it's, it's not crazy. Later in his ministry, Jesus said, "I am the Father of one," and uh, and so not representing that. I'm going to go over to Hebrews real briefly. I'm not doing a whole study on Hebrews, but we want to see um, a couple things about Christ. There's all the sacrifice, Jesus our priest and the king, all kinds of description of Christ in Hebrews. I just want to point out one thing as we go back here to Luke in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 4 describing Christ. Um, the Verse 2 refers to him as the Son. Verse 3 talks about his glory and um, it paid for our sin. Um, so, so who this is being made, verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So about Christ, Christ is not a created being. That's one of the things so many false religions get. It, 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 he's made better than angels. God created his angels. But Jesus is God's begotten Son. The Bible doesn't give much explanation of that because He's still God. And 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 why God the 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 why and how and explanation of that? Who does? He's God. That's okay. But it's clear through Scripture that Jesus is the Son. But Jesus is still God. I'm the Father one. Here in a, in a verse eight, I believe, um, Jesus God said to Jesus in Hebrews one verse eight, but under the Son. Um, referring to Christ, capital S there. He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So if God calls Jesus God. Um, it doesn't separate who they are as God, but Jesus is the begotten Son of God. And uh, so in verse 4, we saw he's better than the angels. But an interesting thing, and I'm going to try to explain it, I believe it matters, and God put it here for a reason over in chapter 2 of Hebrews and verse 9 it says but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should take death for every man so he's made he's Jesus he's the son of God he's the begotten son of God he is God. He is the Father. God calls him God. And here we see he's much, so much better than the angels in Hebrews 1 4. And, and then he has the inheritance that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8. That because we're saved, we're heirs of God, we're joint heirs with Christ, that, that we can have that inheritance of God. I, I believe it, I know it's at least once, maybe a couple, I forget the verse. That Hebrews, Jesus refers to us who are saved as his brethren. And, and so we have that inheritance because he is the Son of God. Here in verse uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, he's better than the angels. But in verse in chapter 2 and verse 9, it says he's made a little lower than the angels. So we go from being bad, he's made, he's created, he's the begotten, he's the Son of God. He is better than the angels because angels serve him. But becoming flesh, as first as John 1:14 says, that Jesus is now made a little lower than the angels. And, and I believe, this is sort of my opinion, it says a little lower, because even though he's made flesh in a sense, he's not 
doesn't have the power God gave angels. He's not serving God like angels do. He's not the created being as an angel. But now that he's made flesh, he's a little lower because even though he's the same status as us in flesh, he is still God while he's here on earth. And, and so he's just a little lower than the angels, even though he's on earth, he's still God. He still could have called the angels for his help at any time. Satan even tried to tempt him with that when he was in the wilderness. And, and, and trying to get him to take that on. And, and, and if Jesus would have given in, the sin would have been, one, giving in to Satan. But two, is that he was here for a purpose. And fulfilling that purpose had to be made. So Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, although he was still God. We see a couple of things back in Isaiah 53 about his punishment. We've taken a sheep, the slaughter. In other words, he was a sacrifice. Now, um, he came, even though he was God, he was the Son of God, and it pleased the Lord that, that he was bruised for our iniquity. That's just in the sense of relationship and what had to be done. Not that God was, was had any glory in, 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 in pain and misery and, and the hardship Jesus had. It was just the, the idea of what it all meant that was important. We're not going to turn there, but if you remember the story in Acts chapter 8 when Philip went and talked to the Ethiopian eunuch and the eunuch got saved and, and said, hey, he then understands what thou readest. And the eunuch said to Philip, how can I accept a man? Show me. And he went through and looked. They were reading Isaiah chapter 53. And he went through and used Isaiah 53 um, to show that man how to be saved. He said, I believe Christ. And they got, they went in the water. He got baptized because he was saved. And then, uh, that's in Acts 8, 30, verse 30 through 39. And it also shows you can show Christ in, in the Old Testament. Somebody want to say, well, you got all these different things that are only parts of the Bible you can witness somebody with. And, and, and that's nonsense. Philip won a man to Christ. And, and uh, in, in Acts, after Christ died, was buried, and resurrection, and he used uh, Isaiah 53 to preach Christ, and a man got saved. And uh, so, he, he, he's there. So let's go to Luke chapter 2, what we sometimes call the Christmas story, or, or, or the account, and we'll move through it, and I have a couple comments and uh, thoughts on Luke chapter 2. But the important thing is, first of all, knowing who Christ is. We have the benefit of having the entire Bible. There's some things, for example, Mary and Joseph had to take strictly by faith. But I, I, to me, personally, I think we'd have more faith if it was an angel that came here and told us. Um, it's a little easier to have faith in that scenario, but it was still a big deal. It was still a hardship for them. Hey, it was still definitely out of the ordinary, and uh, some things happened there, but, but we're not going to discuss all of that. But So they're believing God. There's, there's, uh, that is a spouse, and they went on um, to what's going on here. So I'm going to read the passage, and then uh, we have a couple uh, comments and thoughts dealing with this idea here of Christ's birth. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all the world went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child, and so it was, 
that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it, it came to pass, as the angel, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, they, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. But just a couple thoughts, first of all, as they went up the, the, the hardship, just the whole thing of, you know, God knows what is ahead. We should take comfort in that. Sometimes we wonder if God knows the future, why does he allow it? And God allowed that's a whole other issue of our, our free will versus what we choose. But that's, that's not the point. The point is we take comfort in whatever happens ahead of us. God is going to be there and, and he's still available and wanting to help. Example of this, or God told came and told Mary, an angel, God told Mary, you're going to conceive a child. It's the Son of God. We, we know that part of the story. Um, Joseph wasn't sure what was going on. He was going to, going to put her away, um, it said, but not make a scene of it and, and all that. But an angel came to Joseph and said, it's okay. It's of God. Well, now they got a governor. God said, oh, that's great. Now she's about ready to deliver this baby. <laughs> And all of a sudden, there's this under the Roman rule, there's this census taxation that they had to go travel. Look it up, it suggests a little, it would have been a little over 90 miles of journey. They didn't have cars, trains, or planes, or anything else to get around then, but it's a little over 90 miles um, from where they were in Nazareth um, to go to Bethlehem. So this was not an a easy journey for them. And then to, to go there and then have the baby and have to be in a manger. But God knows, of course, Jesus, Jesus being God, but there are a couple things to look at. I love the point of the shepherd. Sometimes God does things in the Bible that we don't have the entire explanation to. Um, and, and so here's my thought. The shepherds of this time were the lowest of society. They were the low of low. 
I've read some articles and, and commentaries that even suggested that shepherds didn't even have a right to vote. They had no say in anything. They literally were the lowest of the low. And they were, they were a demeaning job, even though over and over. It's amazing that the amount of times God re- referred to Jesus as sheep. He refers to us as his sheep, Jesus being our shepherd. Um, there's, a, there's an amazing thing there that the shepherds were the lowest of low in society. But there's so much in the Bible about dealing with sheep and, and helping. But, but that if God chose to give angels and make the announcement to the shepherds. Shepherds out taking care of sheep. Now, we don't know anything about these shepherds. Uh, we don't know. Apparently, they love God enough that God showed them. I, I, but we know nothing about who these shepherds were. Uh, we know nothing God chose who would have otherwise been the lowest of society to come out and announce with angels singing an angelic chorus to announce the birth of Christ to the people who the world looks at as complete outcasts. It's, 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 a, it's an amazing thing going on here that we look at the birth of Christ and, and, and a baby in a manger. It's way more than that. There's so many things happening here that God became flesh dwelt among us. He, the Word of God became. He was born. Now it's time that He is born. And 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 uh, and then God, the angels come and announce at the same time, um, you know, although they don't come for a couple of years and see Jesus living in a house, but they, they came and, 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 and the planning that God at the same time showed the star to the wise men. And, and, and we don't know who they were or how far they journeyed other than they saw that star, so they were studies of science. They knew what was going on. They also knew enough to match Scripture. And it took them to plan, organize, get together, and make their journey. It took them at least two to three years uh, to get to Jesus. So, But God's showing that and showing um, a, a way for what people would say more educated, um, probably worked for a king, maybe. Um, it says these wise men came from the east, but but they were just us. So they just they got a little delayed. They got it through the part that they'd understand and work through, and they saw the star. But the shepherds got to see the angels tell them, and the shepherds who everyone else put aside and didn't want anything to do with, and they're out just watching their sheep in the in, in the dark. And and uh, shepherds plural, we don't know how many were there, but uh, read where it's common were multiple shepherds to have some companionship and safety. Um, they would have their corrals and they would corral all their sheep together. And uh, they had their own flock, but they would sometimes meet up together at night. So this was not an uncommon occurrence that they were together. But then they saw these shepherds and noticed their sheep were taken care of. And then they said, hey, what the angels said, we need to go check this out. And they left their sheep and took off to find Jesus based on what the angels told them. And uh, so... The, the shepherds being part of this, the shepherds hearing this announcement uh, was a big deal. And then I want to go to Luke 2, verse 19. It says, after hearing all this, the shepherds said, hey, this is what the angel said. This is what we're going to find. This is how we found you. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph just took a, a 90, a 30, over, I looked up, of 31 miles or 31 hours plus of walking. That's not counting stops, camping probably at night. It depends on how long they walk. But yes, their walking time would have been at least uh, 31 hours, probably slower. Mary was pregnant, uh, whether they had an animal or whatever. But I mean, this was not a short journey. Now they're in a manger, they're in a barn. She just had a baby, and all of a sudden these shepherds show up. 
uh, the story was at least interesting, intriguing to figure out what happened. And they heard the story from the angels, and God told us by angels that that uh, you're here and, and how they found them. But then it says here in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Uh, Mary took all these things. She knew the angel told her that she was going to have this baby, and it was of God. And, and, and then she saw earlier, she went and saw her cousin uh, um, Elizabeth, that had John the Baptist, young for Jewish, John the Baptist, the unborn, knew that that was Jesus. And watching the shepherds come, and the angels giving the announcement and everything that happened, that Mary was just taking all that in, and knowing. And, and, and we know that, that she knew, and if you go to the account of uh, when the Jesus performed his first miracle, at the, the, the wedding in Cana, and they, they ran out of that, that juice and drink, and Mary told her she didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know she can't see the future. But she knew it was God. She knew it was Jesus. She knew Jesus could do something. And, and there we know Jesus knew who she had as a child. She knew it was about Christ. And later when they went to the temple, Jesus at 12 told them, hey, must, I must be about my father's business. Um, there were times during the house where Jesus had to remind them that, hey, I'm here for a different purpose. And uh, they, they went, but Mary's the one that told them at that first miracle, she turned to the servant and said, hey, you just do what he said to do. And uh, so this pondering for on and on must have been as a mother in the flesh, taking care of him as a flesh of a child, but pondering what was and what happened and what God had told him and what the angels had said and, and all this she held in her heart probably for many, many years and watching, knowing that it's a child of God, not knowing exactly what it meant, may possibly, but 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 knowing that there's something to this and and giving it and being a help to what Jesus was gonna do to save the entirety of mankind so that we can have a relationship with God. And uh, when Jesus come, it is like one reason I love Christmas is aside from all the things that we do in our homes or get together or family things, is Jesus coming as a baby. I, I know the Bible doesn't say anything about celebrating birthdays and all that. I've heard all kinds of silly arguments. But I tell you, Jesus coming and being born and what we look at as Christmas and Jesus coming is a big deal because we couldn't be saved without it. Um, and it had to be a virgin birth. It had to be done the way he said to fulfill prophecy, to be God's plan and how God did it. And it had to be that way so that we could be saved as Jesus said, Jesus came to save people from their sins. And who Jesus is is important. But what Jesus coming and being born as a child and a man, as a baby in a manger, and, and, and what we saw, and what we look to as Christians, as a celebration, is a huge deal. We can't ignore it. We, I know we love preaching about the cross and what Jesus did and, and Jesus saving us and Easter, he rose again. And, 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 and that's all part of it. I understand that's all a part, and that's why Jesus came. But, but none of that works if it wasn't for the virgin birth. That's a big deal. And what we have... Well, first of all, a couple just a couple thoughts is one is as we look at what we see as Christmas and Jesus is born, that's a biggest that's a big part of the miracle of who Christ is and what our salvation is 
No, we don't go to the manger for our salvation necessarily, but it, it, it's as far as who Christ is, as far as Christ being on the earth so he could die for our sins, as, as far as the, the bloodline of Christ to be pure and a child of God and God's only begotten son, that, that's, that's all important. Him being born the way he was born is just as important for salvation as him dying on the cross because he couldn't have died on the cross if his birth wasn't what it was. Uh, we need to understand that, that as we go into this week and we think of Christmas, that it's all, it's all about Christ because we wouldn't have anything to celebrate. We wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be on our way to heaven. We wouldn't have Christ in it. We wouldn't have anyone to turn for our hard time. We wouldn't have anyone to, it says, cast our cares on him for he cares mm-hmm. for you. Um, and, and, and to go to forgiveness of our sins on a daily basis. Um, we wouldn't have any of that. If it wasn't for the miraculous birth, when Jesus was born of a virgin in a lowly manger, and only a few got to know about it at that time, to let Jesus Jesus grow up. If it wasn't for any of that, none of none of none of the rest would even matter, because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be how God did it. It wouldn't be the right way. It wouldn't be the it fit in God's plan all the way back to Genesis, how God promised. All the way back in Genesis when God promised Eve that seed that was going to bruise the head of Satan. All, all, all the way back. This is God's plan, God's promise, God's prophecy. Uh, this is what it is. Don't forget how important this thing really is as we go in and look at Christmas this week. Get, get our, um, ask, first of all, our salvation is important. And ask, if we're uncertain, get that settled. Um, how how we view Christ, how we view living for Christ, that's important in his birth because it matters who Christ is. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was made flesh and conceived as anyone else was as flesh, as a man. And that's the part we look at and how miraculous and how important and what a big deal that was even regarding our salvation. Let's stand and we'll close with that. As we enter this week, as we celebrate what we call Christmas and looking at the birth of Christ. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you um, for giving us your word so that we know um, what you what, what you've done, what you were before um, coming as a man afterwards. Um, when we see it in Hebrew, as you became uh, our priest and king through salvation. And God, I thank you for everything you've done, that you gave us salvation, that you gave us um, this birth, that you're willing to come and be born of a, a child in the flesh, at least helpless, and, and, uh, and grow so that you could die on the cross, so that we could have not only eternal life, but a relationship with you now. God, I pray that you'll help us and uh, that we'll view, remember, and focus on what, as we celebrate here as Christmas, God and, and family, all the things we do and, 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 but look at, but God, that we'll focus on the, on the thing that gave us eternal life as we go through this week. And God, I pray that you'll help us, give us strength, give us boldness and uh, health as we go serve you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.